18, please. Proverbs 12, 18. We have, I think we're on part 10. <laughs> We've been talking about life and death being in the power of the tongue. Uh, we know the word says that if uh, increase is on your lips, then you know that increase will be uh, in your life. We know the word tells us that, uh, you know, literally God said, I set before you life and death. And then he gave you some advice and some counsel to go ahead and choose uh, life. And so how many of you understand that many people struggle with the idea of realizing that what you say matters? Uh, how you speak matters. What you are talking about matters. What you allow to come out of your mouth matters. Uh, if you want increase in your life, then increase better be on your lips. And so uh, Proverbs 12 18, it says, There is that uh, speaketh like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Uh, the NASB says it this way, There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise will bring healing. Uh, how many of you know that it is important for you to understand that when you open your mouth, the, the tongue of the wise brings healing uh, into situations. Uh, there are people who their brain and their mouth are too closely connected. And so every time they think of something, it comes up and out. And they have learned, uh, without getting too far into a psychology lesson, but one of the basic human needs is the need to be significant uh, and the need to be important. And over time, people can learn as a part of their coping mechanism to allow themselves to say whatever it is that they want to say. And then people will say, well, they have no chill or this person is just keeping it real or they're keeping it 100. And the problem is that what really has occurred is they have learned over time that to be insulting gets them attention and makes them significant. Uh, and so as a part of their coping skill, uh, they have learned to do that. And then people say, well, they're just, they just are the person to keep it real. If you don't want to know, don't ask them. Well, the reality is that as a person who is not an animal, animals have instinct. Instinct means that their brain is directly connected to their actions and there's no uh, real thought in between it. Uh, in other words, if a dog has an impulse to go hump a tree, a dog's going to go hump a tree. There is no, there's no thought process involved uh, in determining whether or not it's appropriate time uh, to do so. <laughs> and you, as a person, are not an animal. Therefore, there is a separation between instinct and your actions. And the Bible tells us that we have to be very clear about the rudder of our lives because if our mouths become the rudder, then your mouth is steering your life. And if your mouth is steering your life, then you have to be very careful what you allow to come out of it, even if you think you are being authentic, when the reality is you're not being authentic, you are just performing. And so we have to be very careful as we learn how to communicate in a godly way. We've got to learn that one who speaks rashly, it's like the thrust of a sword. But the tongue of the wise, and when we speak of wise, uh, we're talking about wisdom. And how many of you know wisdom always addresses the future? Uh, wisdom always speaks to what is coming. And so what you have to be careful of is how you open your mouth and what are you prophesying into your own life? And more importantly, what are you speaking into other people's lives? Because you're speaking to their future. And, and so you have to be very careful, particularly when you're dealing with those who are under uh, your auspices or those who like your voice or those who hear your voice. There are people you have influence with and those people, whether it be your children or not, uh, whether it be people who are very close to you, but anyone that you have influence with, you have to be careful what you allow to come out of your mouth because the words you speak can either bring healing or it can be like the thrust of a sword. And if we're not careful, we could become so focused on our own selves that we forget all about the realities of what words we allow 
uh, to come out of our mouth. I, I've known people where they'll say things like, you know, if things get too good for you and you start telling them how great things are, the first thing they'll say is, well, just hold on a little longer. It's going to turn on you. It's like, what, wait a minute. For what reason do I need you to speak death into my life? Well, you know, things are going really good. Uh, things are prospering. Everything's looking good. Well, you just wait. See, and you have to be, number one, as a person who speaks those type of things, you got to learn how to shut your mouth. And number two, as a person who deals with other people, because let, let's just be real for a second. Haters really are the breakfast of champions. And your destiny will always attract haters. In other words, what God is trying to do in your life will always attract people who hate on you. And if you ever want to know how not to do something, you can ask the general public because most people can tell you how not to get something done. But very few people can tell you that it's possible. And when you begin to reveal your dreams, you have to remember that you are like Joseph. The more people you tell, the more likely you are to go for, have to go from the pit to the palace. Because when you start telling people your dreams, when you start communicating uh, what you are believing for, not everyone sees it the way you see it. Not everyone has the insight that you have. Not everyone has the vision that God has given you. And if you are not careful, you will tell somebody who does not have the vision, does not have the insight, and they will begin to try to cripple your vision in order to bring you down to be like them. Because their mind cannot conceive what God has revealed unto you because their capacity is very different than yours. There's a struggle when you are gifted. If you are a gifted person, a gifted person falls under gifted level attacks. See, if you've never been attacked and you don't know what I'm talking about, but if you are a gifted person, you will begin to think you are not gifted because you are under constant challenge. But you are under constant challenge, not because you are ungifted, but because you are gifted. And so when you, the blessing is on your life and it wants to produce, Satan is well aware of what that looks like. He's well aware of what that appears to be. And the problem is that Satan knows your future better than you do. And so he launches every single thing he can launch to come at you to keep you from ever fulfilling the fullness of your potential. Why? Because as long as you believe you are nothing, he can keep you in a place of producing nothing. But the moment you dare to believe that you can accomplish that which no one else seems to think is possible, when they look at you, you're not this enough, you're not that enough, you're not this, that's fine. I may not be all of those things, but what I can tell you is that God is on my side and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And just because you are small-minded and have a very small view of what your world could be, do me a favor, stay in your world and stay out of mine. Because I am not willing to listen to or hear or allow my ear gates to be flooded with the mediocrity of people's desire. So then what I understand is as I live, I am always recognizing who is bringing health, and who's bringing healing and who is not. There are plenty of times where I've heard people say, I, I'm, I'm believing God for this. I'm like, hey, Lord bless you. <laughs> get yours so I can get mine. <laughs> it's not a measure of winning. In other words, a candle doesn't lose its flame when it lights another. See, we have to recognize you're not in competition with everybody. Because there's a lot of people that will set themselves as your rival, but they are not your equal. And the problem is when they purport themselves as a rival, if you're not careful, you will think they are your equal. And they truly are not. Because you are not, uh, how do I say it? You don't lose because someone else wins. We can all win. And so when you begin to see that, then now you tone your your, your mouth in a way that I'm desiring to bring healing because I'm wise. See, wise people look at the future of what something is supposed to... Look at Proverbs 15. 
28. Proverbs 15, 28. Look at what he says here. The heart of the righteous study to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. You know what that study to answer means? It means they think before they speak. See, fools do whatever, <laughs> and then they have to go back and redo it. They have to go back and apologize for it. They've got to go back and make up for it because their impulse is never under control. That's why I said the heart of the righteous, they study to answer because they have to look at what will my answer do in this situation? How will I affect this person? See, if you're guarding your mouth, it is not just about having a confession of what you want out of your life and confessing the things you want and calling those things that are not as though they are and calling things to you as so many people want to make it about. It is also guarding your mouth and realizing that a righteous person studies to answer. Uh, This is why when I do um, spiritual guidance, particularly on couples, I will not... I will not do spiritual guidance for one and not the other. If if y'all are a couple, you better come together. If you ain't coming together, then I'm going to deal with you. But the moment you bring up that person, we stop talking about them. Because only a fool answers a matter before they hear it. And so you're not going to tell me what this person does from your perspective without them being in the room to say what they needed to say. Are, are you understanding what I'm saying? Because there's always more than one side to every story. And you have to be careful because there are people who will literally bring railing accusation against somebody to turn you against them. And now you're no longer thinking the best of them because of something somebody else said. And what they said may have been true, may not have been true. But the point of the matter is I'm not going to judge you by what someone else says. This is why Matthew 18 tells you, you go directly to the person. So if someone comes to me and says something about you, I'm coming to you. We're we're not going to believe what other people say and get me to think the worst of you because people play petty games like that. It's like when, you know, back in the days when you was in the world and you had a friend and you introduced that friend to another friend and then those two friends became good friends. And then you're like, wait a minute, what happened to me? Then you want to find something bad about that person to tell the other one so they won't be friends so you can keep your relationship with your two friends. Y'all know how y'all act like Patty LaBelle? Right? But see, you don't function like that in the kingdom because you are looking at what love works no ill to to his neighbor. And so you don't want to, because let me tell you something. Anything great, and, and I, I really, really, really want you to pay attention to what I'm about to say. Because if you catch this, it will help you in almost everything you do. You cannot kill a legend until you assassinate their character. So by that I mean this. If you are destined for greatness, Satan can't kill you because if he kills you, he martyrs you. So he's got to assassinate your character and kill your name first. Then when he kills you, he didn't create a martyr because no one liked you anyway. No one valued you or esteemed you anyway. So you have to be careful how you speak. And are you bringing health and healing? Or are you pouring out evil things? Things that you're now going to have to go back and... This is why the mouth is one of those things you have to be very careful of because the Bible says that a person that can control their mouth can control every other part of their body. But a person who can't keep their mouth under control has no control over anything else. (laughs) Y'all still here? Isaiah 55, verse 10. So why does the righteous person study the answer? In other words, why does the righteous person think it through before they open their mouth? 
because they understand, for as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and make it bring forth, and bud, it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Look at how God is telling us that his word, when it leaves his mouth, it doesn't come back void. That it actually accomplishes something. You have to know the words that leave your mouth. They don't come back void. Now here's the problem. They may not bring you what you wanted them to bring you. But they're going to bring you something. My mom would always say, when, you know, in dealing with people, she said, be careful because a dog that brings a bone will carry a bone. In other words, a person who brings you information about somebody will carry, that inf- carry information about you somewhere else. So if a dog brings you a bone, they'll carry a bone. They'll take one. And, and so you have to be mindful. You have to be mindful that your words will accomplish something. Now, a lot of times people don't realize that they are commingling their seed. In other words, I'm believing God to prosper, but you keep criticizing people who prosper. So they don't realize that you really are not going to produce the very thing you want, but you're going to get something, and it's called poverty. Are, are, you, are you with me? This is why I have nothing to say about other people's prosperity. If you're prospering, praise God. Bless you. I'm super excited for you. I'm going to rejoice with you. Why? Because that's my understanding of if I want these things to function in my life, that I've got to be careful what seeds I planted before the seeds I planted grow up and choke out the thing I'm believing for. Are you you with me? Ephesians chapter 4, verse uh, 29. It says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace uh, unto the hearers. Uh, Put it in the, uh, do you guys have the New Century version by any chance? About NIV. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. The New Century Version says it this way. When you talk, do not say harmful things, but say what people need, words that will help others become stronger. Then what you say will do good to those who listen to you. He said what is helpful for building what is helpful, you know, <laughs> you ever have somebody come and tell you an idea and you go, that's really dumb. I wouldn't do that if I was you. And then they do it and it's really dumb. And they come back to you and they tell you they did it and it was really dumb. And then you now have a moment to say, I told you so. You know, I, I, I remember one time I was in a, uh, I was in a spiritual guidance uh, session. It wasn't me, but I was with my my pastor at the time, and he was uh, talking to me about uh, a situation with a husband and a wife. And he said, uh, he said the reason why this husband doesn't trust her is because every time he does something wrong, she makes him know it. And so now he's so afraid to make a mistake because he feels their, her love is conditional. See, when you begin to realize that it is important for you to love anyway. In other words, I may not like what you did and I may let you know that, but I'm still going to love you through it. Because the responsibility is to create an environment that says we are in this thing together. And the I told you so's 
are, are, are very difficult because often you're dealing with two very different issues. One, you could deal with a spouse who's just hard-headed. But a lot of times it's not that they're just hard-headed. They just don't get it. Are, are you understanding what I'm saying? But as a husband who's supposed to lead his home, you've got to support him to get it. And a lot of times what happens in relationships, y'all, and, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm going to step on some toes here. Uh, <laughs> if you notice, I'm tap dancing real lightly on this one. Um, it's important to recognize what does that person need at the moment to benefit them. Because that's what he's saying. It's according to their needs. See, love, real genuine love, Okay, love, not your ooey-gooey feelings, not your emotions, not your uh, Twitter patient, not your infatuation, not your Google eyes, but real love, biblical, agape, the God type of love, always does what's in the best interest of the person being loved. And so when you look at according to their needs as to how I'm going to respond, Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes some people need an oops upside your head. <laughs> and, and, and that's why the Bible says God will chasten and correct, right? Because there's times where that is necessary. But you have to be real careful to think it through and to understand what does that person really need in this moment. And maybe in this moment, they don't need the oops upside their head yet. Maybe they need you to mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. And then there may come the moment later where we pull you aside and say, okay, now let me pull your coattail a little bit and let me let you know, don't do that again. Are, are you understand what I'm saying? But when you begin to deal with people and understand what is unwholesome, many people think what is unwholesome is cussing, and so on and so forth, when the reality is that he is saying what's unwholesome, or in other words, what doesn't make a person whole, is what doesn't build them up. Giving them what they don't need or things that will not benefit the person who is listening. (laughs) Y'all get it? Let's let's this is why in every situation you have to be careful. Um, I posted something that the Lord kind of spoke to me about. God doesn't remark. God remakes. See, a lot of people remark. They, they have a comment. And Facebook has been, uh, unfortunately, the impetus behind helping people to believe that their remarks are important. Because Facebook has given a voice to just about any idiot who wants one. And so the problem with that is the keyboard bullying that goes on uh, where everybody's got keyboard muscles, right? They'll say what they want to say on a keyboard because they know you are not standing in front of them because they don't have the heart to say it to your face so they can throw shade, right? Right? Why y'all acting like you don't know what I'm talking about? (laughs) And so it helps us to begin to recognize that your voice carries more weight than you think. And what becomes, uh, how do I say it? What becomes wholesome is not just to remark, but to remake. It's not just a comment. It's how do I help rebuild? How do I help remake? Because God doesn't comment. God just doesn't have a remark. God is not a reporter of the news. God is a changer of the news. God makes the news. He doesn't report the news. And so when you are a person who understands that you are not just to report the news, but you are to make the news, you are to change situations what do you think you're there for 
Why do you think you know what happened or what went down? Why do you think you saw it with your very own eyes? You thought you were there because God just wanted you to have some information? No, you are there for a reason and a purpose. Whatever it is you do, wherever it is you go, you have been sent on assignment for a purpose for such a time as this to resolve and to handle and to call those things out and to speak those things that need to be spoken, things that will remake the situation, that will rebuild the situation, that will change and affect peace. That's why I said, blessed are the peacemakers, people who understand how to come in and make situations different. Listen, I'm so irritated by people talking about this, that, and the third. Well, should you wear a mask? Should you not wear a mask? Should you do this? Should you not do this? Well, I don't understand how Christians can do this. Where is their faith? I don't know and I don't care. Here's what I know. If people are afraid of something, it will kill them just because they're afraid of it. So if I have enough sense to understand what we are dealing with, then I don't care what people decide to do. Let them do it according to their faith and so that they can live, so that we can talk about this a year from now and say, I wish we had handled it differently. But if you die, we're not going to have this conversation a year from now. My point I'm trying to get at is people are so critical and crazy, and their mouth touches anything, never realizing, what can I do to build? doesn't matter what my faith level is. It doesn't matter what my expectation of anybody's faith level is. None of that's important. Who left me in charge? The responsibility is to find out what each person needs to build them up according to their needs and what will benefit them. And then I deal with them accordingly, but that's the heart of a pastor. This is why when people criticize pastors, I'm like, I wish y'all would just shut up. You have no idea what the heart. So, let me get off that soapbox for a minute. Let's go to Job. Actually, hang on, hang on. Don't go anywhere yet. Can we put that back in the uh, King James? Because this is important for Job. Look at the last part of that. That it may do what? You, you mean to tell, minister means to serve, right? So, so if uh, Christine is in a restaurant and I'm her waiter and I serve her food, I serve her a drink, I serve her orange juice, what is she going to have? Whatever I served her, right? And so if it serves grace unto the hearer, That which is good to the use of building up, that it may serve grace. So you mean to tell me if Michael's in a restaurant, I could serve him a big old plate of grace. Minister grace. What is grace? God's miraculous ability. I can put God's miraculous ability into a situation by saying, oh, my goodness. I don't think y'all getting where I'm going. Y'all are not picking up what I'm throwing down. I can serve it to people. So someone comes and they're struggling, and they did something that I told them not to do, and I knew they was going to do it, and they did it anyway. I have a choice right then and there. I can either serve them defeat or I can serve them or minister grace, God's miraculous ability unto them. Even if they ticked me off, even if they made me mad, even if I don't like them, even if I'm angry about it, even if they've hurt my feelings, I can still... Now, that was important because Job 26, verse 3. And then we're going to Job 16, 1. Job 26, 3. Look at what Job's. Uh, look, look at this one. How hast thou counseled him that hath no wisdom? And how hast thou plentifully declared the thing as it is? 
To whom hast thou uttered words? And whose spirit came from thee? In other words, thank you, Captain Obvious. Watch, go back, verse 3. He says, How hast thou counseled him that has no wisdom? And how hast thou plentifully declared the thing as it is? In other words, Captain Obvious. But you've got to think about what he's saying. He's like, how are you talking to me like I have no wisdom? Like I got no sense. And all you do is keep telling me the thing that is. I already know what is. There have been times where, where I've seen situations where I'm like, a person will leave and I'll go, man, I feel so sorry for them. And, and, and it's like, well, why would you feel sorry for them? They made choices. Because could you imagine what life must be like? to live in that level of darkness. Can you imagine what life must be like that you hate me just because I'm a believer? Can you imagine what life must be like that you hate me and don't even know why? And that Satan can push your button at any moment in time and get you to react. Can you imagine how hard that must be for that person? See, if you think about it that way, then you begin to realize this is why I don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but I wrestle against principalities and powers because I know there are spiritual uh, forces at work. There are rulers and, 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 and wickedness in high places. There's a lot of things at work. The person I'm dealing with is merely a pawn in the game. See, I'm a chess player. I understand chess. Too many believers and Christians, they play chess. Checkers, see a jump, take a jump. I am not that person. I know strategy. I understand how to look at something and say, I'm not going to go after that just because you put it out there as bait. I'm not jumping for that because if I take that game over, game, set, match, it's a wrap. You're not going to bait me in with that kind of nonsense. I understand that I don't care what it looks like as it is. I'm trying to see what it's about to become because as it is, everybody knows that. We all know what it is as it is. You don't need any spiritual insight. You can walk by sight and tell what it is as it is. And he's like, how has thou counseled him to have no wisdom? How has thou plentifully declared? In other words, you keep telling me the obvious. Go. Five. Verse five. I'm sorry, four. That's right. To whom hast thou uttered words? And whose spirit came from thee? In other words, what spirit are you of? <laughs> Make you want to repent, don't it? It did me too. I did my office. <laughs> it's the only difference between me and you is I get to do it before you do. Whose spirit? When you start talking some of this stuff, whose spirit is that coming from? People know what's wrong already. <laughs> they don't need you to keep telling them. See, if you had it done what I told you to do, I didn't told you not to do that. I didn't told you not to be. See, and all you want to do is get and be with this and do this. And if you just would stop, I mean, I've been telling you time after time after time. <laughs> this lady came to Kenneth Hagen, senior dad Hagen. Uh, and she said, uh, I want you to pray for my son. And he said, no, she said, I want you to promise me something. He said, what's that? She goes, no, I want you to promise me first. He said, lady, I'm not promising you anything until you tell me what it is. And so then she says, well, I want you to pray for my son every day. He said, I will not do that. She says, well, would you at least just when you think about it, if it comes to your mind, he said, no. <laughs> she said, well, she goes, my son is out of control. He's in the world. He's, he's this, he's that. He's, he's not living for God. He's doing all this stuff. She goes, I, I need some help. I worry about him all night long. He's out all kinds of hours a night. He, I'm struggling with him and blah, blah, blah. He stopped me and said, listen, I guarantee you, you keep throwing God in his face. Every time something goes wrong, every time he does something stupid, you keep throwing God in his face, don't you? 
And she got quiet. He said, what I want you to do, he says, I want you to never bring it up again. Don't invite him to church. Don't say another word about God, Jesus, nothing. He said, you just love him. I don't care how stupid it is. I don't care how crazy it is. Love him. So he said, now, I'm not going to pray for him. You do. Every night, if he's out all kinds of times at night, you just say, God, I thank you. Because he, the love of God, faith worketh by love. Right? So if faith only works by love, I want you to hear something. If you struggle with your love walk, you're going to struggle with your faith walk. That's right. So, so and, and that means the one you hate that you don't want to act like you hate, but you know you really do, that's messing up your faith. Even though you don't want to admit that, because you say, I love everyone, but there's a certain people that every time their name comes up, you... <sighs> so, so anyway, he saw her, I think it was a year later. And she came up to him and she said, Brother Hagen, she says, do you remember me? He's like, no, I really don't. <laughs> and she goes, I came to you to talk to you about my son. I asked you to pray for my son. He says, oh, yeah, I remember you now. And she says, my son is actually born again Amen. in church. Amen. He said, well, what happened? She said, well, one morning he came in at like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. And he said, uh, Mom, can I go to church with you? She said, you just got in. You only got a couple hours of sleep. You got to go to school tomorrow. You should rest. He said, no, I think I want to go. And then he went. Then the next week, same thing, out till old dark 30. Woke up next morning, said, can I go to church with you? She said the same thing. I don't think you should go. I think you're tired. You probably should rest. And he said, no, I, I think I want to go. And it happened again and again. And then he started coming on Sunday night, and then he got saved. Amen. <coughs> we don't have to keep uttering what is. He told her to back off, and she did, and it, and it produced a result. Because <laughs> some of you think you can beat people up with Scripture, and that it. I've had people come into my office, and, and, and I will, and this is one of the reasons why I, in relationships, I don't deal with just one versus the other. Because I'll tell them things spirit, scripturally, and then they'll go home and beat their spouse up with it. Pastor said, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Do you hear what pastor said? The pastor is not the pastor of your home. Pastor is your spiritual. People want to, pastor, what should I do about this? I don't know. What kind of car should I like? What kind of car do you like? <laughs> it's not my business. Are you understand what I'm saying? And when you weaponize the word, because you always throw in a scripture at somebody, We're trying to figure out what spirit that's of. Because lest we remember that Satan's way of dealing with Jesus was to throw scripture at him too. Yeah. Job 16. Job 16, verse 1. Job answered and said, I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are ye all. <laughs> Shall vain words have an end? Or what emboldeneth thee that thou answereth? I also could speak as you do. If your soul were in my soul's stead, I could heap up words against you and shake my head at you. But I would strengthen you with my mouth. And the moving of my lips should assuage your grief. He said, in other words, y'all are terrible comforters. <laughs> you ever be around somebody, people, you know, when things are just not going so hot for you, and you get around them and it just goes from bad to worse? And you're like, why did I even get around you? Because you're a terrible comforter. And then you ever get around people that 
You know, it's, it's funny because chemistry is really important. Um, chemistry is so important because there are people that I can get around and because they have a kind of a happy-go-lucky attitude, it rubs off on you. You know, nothing phases them. It rolls off their back like water on a duck. I like being around people like that because I struggle with letting things roll off my back. Are, are you understand what I'm saying? See, now I could get around the wrong person, and we can have a pity party together <laughs> and descend into the lower depths of all hell in the process. Or I can learn to get around people who my grief is assuaged by their voice. <laughs> because he said, I would strengthen you with my mouth. He goes, you guys are terrible at this. I come to you with a problem, you have made me feel worse. <laughs> in other words, you're just terrible at it. He said, because if your soul was in my place, if you were in the same situation I was in, he said, I would strengthen you with my mouth. And the moving of my lips would mitigate your grief. By the time it's all said and done, you'd feel better. Always telling people what you ought to do. Girl, I wouldn't put up with that if I was you. I wouldn't take that from no man. That's why you ain't got one. <laughs> Listen, you don't take financial advice from broke people. You don't take relationship advice from single people. They're not helping the situation. All they're doing is making you matter. By the time you get home, you're ready to just twist off. I can't believe who you think you... <laughs> they're not helping you. All they're doing is feeding and telling you things as it is, and they're getting you riled up so that you can go home and unleash so you can be single like them so y'all can go out more. Or worse yet, they end up with your man. <laughs> That's good preaching, Pastor. I know. <laughs> the loud and the judgmental are always the ones who have done nothing. The more experienced you are, the more wisdom you have, the less you speak. It's always the ones that are the loudest that you know have no insight whatsoever. That's why they're loud. Remember, I went back to the coping mechanism. Psychology, uh, human needs psychology says that one of the basic human needs, there's six of them, one of them is to be significant. So if I get loud, then I become the most significant person in the room because everybody pays attention to me because I'm loud. So when people learn how to cope that way, that becomes their mechanism. So they use that as their advantage. They're talking loud, but as James Brown would say, they are saying nothing. <laughs> and so then they use their loudness as a mechanism by which to gain your attention because they want to be significant, and they're not interested in being significant because of their intelligence. They just want to be significant because of their volume. You ever heard the saying, if you can't dazzle them with brilliance, you baffle them with crap? <laughs> See, <laughs> your loudest critics are always going to be people who haven't done anything. Because if anybody's done it before, they know failure is in the equation. It's not the end of the equation. It's one of the factors in the equation. Do you always get it right every time? Of course not. Will there be opportunities for improvement? Of course there will. But anybody who's a little long in the tooth deals with you differently than people who have a whole bunch of opinions and no experience. Because <laughs> immaturity will speak way too quick. Look at Daniel uh, 10. Daniel 10. Verse 12. <laughs> we doing all right, y'all? 
Sure got quiet up in here. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thy heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard. And I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. And when he had spoken such words to me, I set my face toward the ground, and I became dumb. In other words, quiet. And behold, one like the similitude of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spake. He said unto him that stood before me, O my Lord, by the vision my sorrows are turned upon me, and I have retained no strength. For how can the servant of this my Lord talk with this my Lord, For as for me, straightway, there remaineth no strength in me, neither is there breath left in me. Then there came again and touched me one like the appearance of a man, and he did what? And said, strengthen me, and said, O man greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto thee, be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had I was and said, let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. Just being spoken to. He said, I have no strength. (laughs) I I, I got nothing left. (laughs) He said, I want to do what you're going to tell me. I want to hear what you're going to say. He said, but I ain't got nothing. No tengo nada. And he touched his lips and he spoke to him. And he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be unto thee. Be strong. Yea, be strong. And when he had spoken to me, I was. There's nothing like a believable voice. There's nothing like a credible voice. There's nothing like a voice where you hear somebody who will speak some faith to you. It's nothing like a person. You, you know what I'm talking about. When you hit that point where you're just like, you know, so this is this to me, I don't know how a person can go through an entire week without a midweek service. A lot of people do it, and, and I'm, I'm not knocking it. You do what you got to do. But me, I, I need that booster shot because I, I go through too much jump <laughs> from Monday to Saturday that I need something in between that's going to bolster my faith, that's going to speak some life and strengthen me, that's going to help me to be strong and help me to have strength and to help me be encouraged and to help me so that when I walk out, I feel 10 foot tall and bulletproof because the world is going to try to hatchet me down every chance that it gets. And so I just need something that I need a word. I need something that's going to help me to get a little bit of strength. But isn't it something when, you, when you're a person who understands how this works and you are that person for people? Where they come to you broken, not a lick of strength left. And by the time you're done with them, they feel like they can go out and tackle the world. You can literally minister strength to people. You can minister grace unto people. Romans 12. Verse 14. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. And weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. 
recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with the people you like. Just the few that you get along with. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Isn't it funny how it says, Give place unto wrath? You know what that tells you? When you respond incorrectly, you give no place for God to respond. No, see, because here's what happens, because you wonder why God's not punishing, why this is not, why they have not reaped what they've sown. And it's because they already got it from you. You left no place for God to deal with it. For as it is written, vengeance is, he says, I will, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. See, I call it the heaping coals ministry. Some of y'all need to sign up. You know what the heaping coals ministry is? Even when you do me wrong, I'm not going to do you wrong. I'm going to tell you how pretty your eyes are. I'm going to love you anyway. (laughs) Even though you've disrespected me, even though you've handled me incorrectly, even though I'm still going to give you opportunity after opportunity, even though you know you don't deserve it, I know you don't deserve it. We know you don't deserve it. But every time I do that, because you're expecting me to cloud up and rain all over you, and when I don't, I'm heaping coals down your back because there's nothing like someone who's trying to bait you into a fight and you're loving them through it. And because that's what they do. They're nasty for a reason. They're trying to elicit nastiness out of you. But when you are nice to people who hate you, People hate that. You want to get somebody that you, uh, it's funny, listen to me. You work with somebody that you know don't like you, give them a gift card. You think they don't like you now? They really ain't going to like you. But see, I'm okay with that. Because haters is the breakfast of champions. I eat haters for breakfast because here's what I know. If you don't have any opposition wherever you're going, if there's no opposition, then that means you and Satan are heading the same direction. (laughs) Haters is a sign of my giftedness. Haters is a sign that I'm on the right track. Haters is an indication for me that we must be doing Can you put that in the Amplified, Romans 12, 14? Amplified, please. Amplified C, by the way. Bless those who persecute you, who are cruel in their attitude towards you. Bless and do not curse them. Keep going. Rejoice with those who rejoice, sharing others' joy. And weep with those who weep, sharing others' grief. Live in harmony with one another. and Do not be haughty, snobbish, high-minded, exclusive. But readily adjust yourself to and give yourselves to humble tasks. Never overestimate yourself or be wise in your own conceits. A lot of people had a struggle when we went to uh, shutting down service. They had a struggle with why we did that. And we shut it down for a season and for a time because the Lord told me to. But he told me to be in harmony with where people are. Go go back to verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice, sharing their, their joy. Weep with those who weep, sharing others' grief. 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, 
snobbish, high-minded, exclusive, but readily adjust yourself to people, things, and give yourselves to humble tasks. Never overestimate yourself or be wise in your own conceits. Why do we do it? We're adjusting to what's going on in the world. Well, shouldn't we stand and fight? Well, you, you do that. That's what God told you to do. Handle it. <laughs> See, people don't get these types of things. They don't understand how to move a whole crowd. What if Moses had a said, you know what, God, I'm done with these people. I'm sick and tired of them. Let's just kill them all. I'll go in to the promised land, and then we'll make a whole new generation out of me. He had to take them all. And by taking them all, he didn't go in. See, when you understand the heart of a... You begin to see things differently. He literally sacrificed his own so that they would make it in. What if he just said, you know what? Get your faith up. I'll see y'all in there. I think you're getting it, ain't you? So, uh, verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but take thought for what is honest and proper and noble, aiming to be above reproach in the sight of everyone. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, I want you to recognize how that's written. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You know what that means? As long as it's in your power, you control what's in your power. Now, you break into my house, I got two friends, Smith and Wesson, and a horse named Trigger. Want to ride? Because <laughs> now you have broached, and it's not dependent on me anymore. You, it's not depending on you. Are you following what I'm saying? But as long as it depends on me, I'm going to live at peace with everyone. To the best of my ability. <laughs> Keep going. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave the way open for God's wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, requite, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not let yourself be overcome by evil, but overcome. For look what it says. Master evil with good. You mean to tell me you can master evil? You can become the boss of evil? <coughs> Acts 14. We're running out of time, y'all. Acts 14. Verse 1. You ready? At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas, uh, put in the NIV, please. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles, poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among both Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled Lyconium cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. Notice how there were people who stirred up. They all heard the message, did they not? It says half unbelieved, the other half did. 
And the half that didn't started speaking and stirring up strife and contention. This is why you got to be careful, because even in a church, see, many people think the greatest attack comes from the outside, doesn't comes from inside. <laughs> Did you hear about pastor this, and what about pastor that, and what about sister so-and-so? Oh, child. Did you hear about brother so-and-so? Oh, girl. <laughs> Just stirring up division. Right. And look what it says, and poisoned their minds against the brothers. What are you saying when you open your mouth? Are you poisoning people's minds? Because once you start stirring up, stirring up strife and division, you're leading them unto death. I had a, years ago, um, there was a situation I had to go through, and um, I had a conversation with a particular gentleman and he had pulled his family slowly but surely uh, he was starting to kind of not appreciate the messages <laughs> and so because um, they were nailing his hide to the wall um, and so he then started working because his wife and his kid uh, they were kind of connected very well and so he started working them and I warned him I said, listen, you really have to be careful because it's one thing for you to reject. It's another thing for you to poison someone else's mind to reject their supply. Because, see, once you start affecting other people, now you've taken on not only your disobedience, but you've gotten into a spiritual area where you are now affecting other people's supply. And eventually he pulled them all out and we haven't seen them since. But it's a slow process that people don't understand how, especially when it comes to a husband of the house, he's the high priest of the house. There's like a 90, did you know if a, if a husband gets saved, there's a 93% chance the rest of his family will get saved? 93. When the wife, I think it's 60 or 70, and when uh, a kid, it's like 5% or something like that, that the rest of the family will follow but it's 93%. This is why as a husband, as a man of the house, it is your responsibility to lead your family in the things of God. And if you won't do it, how sad is that? Because you're now poisoning the minds. Yeah, let's, let's move right along. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm about out of time. Can I, uh, let me take one more place. Matthew 5.22. Matthew 5.22. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. <clears throat> in other words, whoever is basically like somebody's got a problem, you're like, you know, you're an idiot. They're coming to you with a problem, you big dummy. He says, whoever deals with them that way, you're now in danger of that judgment. Because why? You don't speak to the situation, or let me say it this way. You don't speak to express. You speak to affect. So many people want to speak to express. Well, I just got some things to say. I need to vent. Venting is a sign of a poor prayer life. If you feel the need to vent, 
I've had people call me. I just need to vent. I'm like, well, please don't talk to me because I don't want to hear it. Talk to the Lord. He's the one who cares because I don't. I just need somebody to vent to. That's your problem. Because if you will learn to speak to effect and not speak to express, you would learn that whatever you say, I am not going to vent or express myself. I am going to affect the outcome. I'm speaking to the effect. What is the outcome that's going to come out of this? Because that's what I'm trying to do. That's ultimately where we're going. So I can be Captain Obvious and keep talking about what is as it is. Or I can begin to see things with the eyes of God and see what he wants it to be. And then I can start speaking to that and calling those things that are currently not as though they are as they are about to be. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We're, we're grateful for light. We're grateful for illumination. We're grateful for the revelation. We thank you as you continue to real, reveal these things to us that we all have places where we can make adjustments. Father, we thank you that we put a watch over our lips and a guard over our mouth that we will not say everything that we think and feel that all of that is very deceptive, that we will only speak those things which are good for edifying, those things which are good to build up, those things which are good to create the outcome we're believing for. We thank you for all that you are doing in our midst. We're thanking you in advance that we'll be reminded of this as we go about our days, as we go through our life. We will be reminded of these moments where we can speak and minister grace unto those who need it. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. All believers in the house said, Amen. Amen.